You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the B&H Photography Podcast. It's time for our year-end gear podcast. Woo! Talk about the best gear, the newest gear, what's <laughs> happening. Uh, we're going to talk about what's hot and what's not so hot. What about what's cold? And <laughs> with everything in between. Like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a subscriber to our show? If so, cool beans. If not, head on over to iTunes and subscribe. The B&H Photography Podcast is absolutely free. You'll not only be notified when a new show is posted, Posted every week. You're also going to gain access to every episode we've recorded going back to our very first show when our guest was Louis Daguerre. It was a wonderful show. Oh, uh, oh, speaking yes. about our first show, we are rapidly approaching our 100th episode. And to celebrate, we are going to be having an amazing sweepstakes gear giveaway that will be open to our listeners. All you have to do is subscribe to the B&H Photography Podcast and you can qualify. We're going to be announcing the details on upcoming show, so stay tuned. For now, head on over to iTunes or the B&H Photography Podcast homepage and subscribe. While you're there, leave a review. We really do read them. Today, we're going to be doing the first of two episodes on uh, what, it's basically going to be a year-end wrap-up and talking about what to expect in the upcoming year. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the best-selling cameras and some of the related gear, and we're going to come back with the next episode, Industry Trends for the end of the year and 2018. But for this week's episode, let's talk about cameras of the year. Joining us today is Levy Tenenbaum, who's still basking in the glow of his recent marriage, and Yaakov Adler, who's basking in the glow of Levy Tenenbaum. Mm-hmm. Happiness, happiness runs in a circular motion around here. Yaakov and Levy head up our in-house photographic training department. If you're impressed about how well-informed our sales staff is in our superstore and on the phones, you can thank these guys. They, along with other in-house sales trainers, do an amazing job. All right, on with the show here. Let's start talking about the cameras of the year. And there's when a couple of- When we come back them. after the break, we're going to get into- uh, Oh, as and that's right. Yeah. And we, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about cameras- then we're going to discuss uh, what our website reflects on that. In other words, what are the best sellers? What are the best rate, rated? According to our website, a little snapshot of this moment in time, and anything else that comes to mind that's exciting. Okay, guys, cameras. Cameras. We put together a list here. What's that's the number one camera? There's, there's three it. or four of them that are real big, and yeah. I, I have a hard time figuring out where we should start. So one of you guys kick So I want, I want to start with like the, kind of the latest one, which would be, I think, the one that everyone's talking about, the Nikon released a D850. But there's very limited stock because Nikon, in all of its great wisdom, did not see that there was going to be such a high demand for this camera, which is surprising because this is a really nice step up from the D810. Yeah, I think this is their most compelling camera since the D800. I know we've done a yeah. lot of reviews on it. I mean, I had it in my hands a little bit playing and it's... I'm, I kind of shy away from larger, heavier cameras these days, and that camera actually was comfortable in my hands, and it's very capable. Yeah, Ny- Nikon makes a big camera, so I, I started off on Canon. I'm, I, I'm now, as you guys know, I'm very camera agnostic at this point. What, one of the things that I find about the Nikon, even though they make a bigger and heavier camera, it does feel really good. It does feel, like, properly weighted. So you may fatigue just because of weight, but it's not because of, like, imbalance or something. Correct. Which is something really yeah. nice that Nikon mm-hmm. does. I've been testing the uh, some Tamron lenses with the Canon 6D lately mm-hmm. and then went back to my usual Nikons yesterday, and uh, they feel heavier, but they feel better. 
I'm yeah. not gonna tell you. you know? yeah, uh, yeah, there there's a saying in the in the film industry which is heavy is steady. Mm. And I, th- I think there's some truth to that, even the oh, photos. Yes. So the D850, yeah. some of the, the the general takes I'm getting from people are that it's put in everything that Nikon shooters have asked for. Yeah, so the classic, the, the, the classic thing I think that happened in the past is that you had the 5D series, right? Mm-hmm. Canon goes full frame, first company to go full frame. Then you have the 5D Mark II, 1080 video, boom, blows everything out of the water. 5D Mark III just kind of capitalizes on what the 5D Mark II does. And you have a great all-around camera. Nikon drops a D800, 36 megapixels, totally wiping out cameras, 21, 22 megapixel range. Um, but a lot of shooters stayed on the 5D Mark III because it was a better overall all-around camera. It was good for events. You didn't have super heavy files. So unless you wanted super high resolution, you didn't go into the D800 series. Not to mention that the D800 series was a little confusing because you had a D800 and a D800E. Mm-hmm. So again, more people just went to the Canon. It was similar to, you know, like, hey, it just works. Let's use it. Um, what cam... What, Nikon has done now, and Jakob and I had had a lot of talk about this, is that... Much talk. Mm-hmm. Much, much talk. <laughs> particularly much when talk. it released, is that Nikon finally made a camera that's compelling all the way around as far as it's a good all-around camera, not just a megapixel monster. Hmm. And so anyone... I mean, you're talking Canon, Nikon, you're going back and forth. I mean, do you think Canon people are going to jump over to Nikon D850? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. No, no it's, it's the people moving up from, let's say, uh, a Rebel or... Mm-hmm or a D5600 or something, and now they want to take the next step up. Should I jump to Nikon? Should I stick with Canon? Or where am I going to go now? You have options. Those that decided not to get the D800 or D810 for financial reasons or whatever reason, now they're going to go ahead and get that D850. They think... Maybe. If if, if they're they're at that point. like The the real question is, is someone going to jump over? Although I don't think so. There there may be one or two people going to jump over. There's also fewer excuses to jump ship. Initially... When, um, I mean, to go back to even the film days when autofocus came in, a lot of people went to Canon because Canon, their autofocus technology was just leagues ahead of Nikon, which was trying to bridge manual focus and autofocus Mm -hmm. in their camera lens systems. Canon just started a clean piece of paper and they just jumped ahead and people said, all right, I got to bite the bullet. They dumped their Nikon stuff, went to Canon. The same thing happened when video came out. Nikon was the first with in-camera video, but yep. then they got trumped real fast, yep. you know, by Can by, by Canon again. So more people switch. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. No. I don't. I don't know because you need something really major for that to happen. And then we have mirrorless cameras coming in where well, we'll you see. can use anybody's lens. Yeah, we'll a lot come of, to that later. A lot. A lot of people jumped when when mirrorless really hit its stride with the A7 series. Yeah, um, and so like we again another one thing that Jakob and I have had extensive conversations about is is by going Sony, you're kind of still okay with whatever lenses you've purchased in yeah. the past, whereas an actual jump from Canon to Nikon means complete reset. Yes. Right. Right. Quickly, some of the stats on that D850, the, it's 45.7 megapixel BSI CMOS sensor, XP5 processor. What about the 4K? Is that uh, something new? Is there anything new in the 4K in terms of Nikon? Yes, uh, they've now gone full sensor size. Yeah, okay. Um, so as no, no more that super crop. Forest crop, correct. Okay. All right. Which allows you to take advantage of that shallower depth of field or the full range of your lenses, right. wider angles, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And 153-point AF system. Yeah, so, the, the, so the, the, the big things that you're seeing over there, and then some of it's actually under the hood, is number one, 45 megapixels, which is a nice jump. So this outdoes the Sony a7R three, which was mm-hmm. the previous champion as far as megapixels go. Wait, wait, I wait. Mean, I want to one of those five DSR. Yeah, let's not forget the five DSR. Right, you in terms of people jumping from Canon to Nikon, the five DSR is compelling on its own. Yeah, at 50 megapixels. The the, the thing that I think you, that you'll see with the Nikon is that Nikon has generally done a better job at dynamic range. 
mm. um, at capturing dynamic range, specifically in the D810 series, was a phenomenal camera or is a phenomenal camera for that. But the 45 megapixels, not just that it's shooting 45 megapixels, it's shooting 45 megapixels fast. Mm-hmm. And that's where it becomes very interesting. Good point. Yeah. Um, what's even more interesting, and this I think we're going to get to later when we get to the trends, is Nikon's card choices is that Nikon and Canon seem to be doing a very different version of how are we going to do to capture media. Um, So you have 45 megapixels at, um, I think it's seven or nine frames respectively. So if you you add the grip, you get to nine frames per Mm -hmm. second, which is really, I think, a a very tremendous advantage. And if you can shoot that at 45 megapixels, that's pretty amazing. You mentioned the BSI sensor. The BSI sensor is also a new thing in the DSLR world. We've had it in mirrorless, we've had it in phones, Mm -hmm. but now this is the first DSLR to feature this, which is giving us those faster readout times and ability to do more. And I'm saying we as if I create it, no, I just get to look and play with it. (laughs) Yeah, I actually worked on that sensor architecture. Yeah, yeah. Um, One one more thing about the D850, in terms of the size files, many people may not realize, but it does have a medium size raw. Mm -hmm. Medium and small, I think. Medium and small. They've had small in the past, but now they have a medium. Really nice. And last, I don't remember if I mentioned, the AF system is the D5's AF system. Right. Right. So that is a really big point. Couple that together with your nine frames per second, you're only getting a a D5 now if you really need that We're getting spoiled by what's available. It's an amazing amount of technology in this thing. One thing I wanted to ask about, and maybe this is better for the second half, but... uh, the idea, and you were talking about the D800E, which confused people to some degree. Uh, now, does the D850 uh, remove the anti-aliasing the, filter? Anti-aliasing mm-hmm. filter? It yeah, okay. it's gone. Is that something we're going to see now? It seems it's to be more and more common right now because yeah. they're killing more with with software. That that's part of it. Also, the higher re- the resolution goes, the yeah. less likely you are to encounter it. Yeah, it, it's essentially. And I'm going to make signs with my hands now. So, mm-hmm. if you're viewing this, I'm sorry that you can't see it. But mm-hmm. if you have a sensor, which is a 35 mil- millimeter sensor with its diagonal, and they start stacking megapixels across it, which is essentially these little light collecting diodes that sit there and they collect light. The more that you're able to stack them, and this is what Jakob was talking about, the closer you start stacking them, the better your res- resolving power is and the less more ray you have because you're not translating as much in between the lines. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that we've seen with phones for a long time. As you started stacking a tremendous amount of megapixels into phones, you don't have much more ray when it comes to phones because they're just a tiny sensor with a ton of megapixels. Right. I mean, the, the basics is the finer the pattern of the sensor, the less likely you are to encounter that fine of a pattern in the image you're taking. I'm actually developing a Moray app to compensate for this. Is this, to go, is, is this going to go along with your gaffer's tape on across the LCD screen? Yes, mm. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't, why don't you just buy that Leica? <laughs> well, that's that's why we developed the gaffer's yeah. tape solution. <laughs> oh, oh, right, it's got to be. Yeah, does it come with a red dot? <laughs> you can buy that's one of those. What are the sharpies for? <laughs> So anyway, the D850 is only one of the big cameras this year, okay? Uh, we've had a few of them, the A9. The A9, I think, well, is from Sony. great release. It almost became like old news real fast, even though it's an amazing camera. Well, that's that's how Sony works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they used to be worse than that. They've actually gotten better. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the Sony uh, A7R III. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like, where do you stop? It's uh, uh, every week, it's a, a new camera. Um how would you rank the three of them? How would you compare them? Is uh, the well the the A nine is is a very interesting camera for Sony because it's the first time that we've seen them purposely strip one of their cameras and really try to position it as a as a single camera. As in, they they just want it to be like your high speed sports camera. They don't want you to be shooting a ton of video with it. Um, whereas usually in the past, even if they had like a lower end camera or higher end camera, they just put all the features in and just do whatever you want. Um, they're very much positioning the A seven R three as your megapixel camera. Um, it's really nice. It's a 42 megapixel beast. 
It's a great camera. The A7R2 is a great camera. The A7R3 just took everything that the A7R2 had, made it better. Yeah. I think um, I think the A7R3 is honestly the most well-rounded camera that they've come out with. Yeah. It's it's they've pulled all the stops on it. And any complaints in the A9, they fixed it there. Mm. Um it is their They fixed it in the A7R3. What were the complaints right. for the A9? Um well, people didn't like the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The video was an issue. What else was an issue? I know, and, but they, they changed the battery. Sports shooters are going to be, they're going to jump to this A9. I mean, it's, they're going to give up their camera. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting camera. There are definitely people trying to push for it. Um, it, I it, think it, it delivers spec wise exactly. everything you need, the speed. Exactly. Well, the, 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 catch, the catch with speed is that it only delivers the speed, the top notch, the blazing 20 frames per second in electronic shutter. Um, which does have some disadvantages. Um, Specifically, we're talking about sports photography. Yeah, I'm talking about sports photography. So what would disadvantage be? You run into rolling shutter if you're doing panning. Um, You run into possible sync speeds with with flash. The bit depth goes down, or your files. Your your dynamic range will decrease. So you reminded me, yes. So the A7R3 now could do 10 frames a second with mechanical shutter. Exactly. Which is the same as day nine. A9 also does 10 frames mechanical. And without the bit depth going down. Right. In electronic shutter. So it's it's pushed things a little further. So is uh, the, I would say, my guess is that there are not that many photographers who could justify, just talking about frames per second, the 20 versus the 10. If you can't get your shot in 10 frames a second, that's a lot of pictures in a short time. I could see applications where you want 20, but for most photographers, I don't think they need it. I need at least 11. Yeah, <laughs> I also yeah. find without eleven, I get nothing. It's, yeah. it's, it's always de- that eleventh one, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely aimed at a very specific photographer. You have the the one DX Mark II photographers. You have the D five photographers who are shooting fourteen oh, yeah. to sixteen frames per second. So Sony definitely, again, like you're talking about the specs war. Sony definitely won the specs war because they have twenty frames per second. And unless you know what's going on underneath or or worry about what's going on underneath, it's not well, a problem. My two questions then are: first of all, is somebody who's shooting, uh, you know, a D five? Or a, you know the one DX, are they gonna you know they have five thousand dollar lenses that they're shooting? You yeah. know they're not gonna they're gonna not gonna jump. So there. so that 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 brings up a funny conversation, which is if you put an adapter, will it focus faster on the Sony? And that's I don't know. I hope Explorer tests it. Well, the frame rate goes down. That's a good idea. That's that's hundred percent true. Yeah, your frame rate will go down because you lose your electronic shutter. So now you're down to ten frames per second. So you're already slower than your. I other personally camera. have never oh, used no, an adapter that maintains. I've never used an adapter that maintains autofocus speed. Except, um, of course, if you're just adapting a manual focus lens, and it's no problem. But for autofocus, uh, no, it's, uh, I found there's always been a slowdown of it a little bit. So well, might, Sony, Sony needs to bring out, so they announced a 400 F2.8. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it an F4? I think it's an F2.8. Um, we'll they, see it. They, they announced one it of those. It'll come out in the summer at some point. Um, they, they need to give us a full lineup of sports lenses before sports photographers shoot over. The biggest thing, though, that I think with the A9 is that they brought the new battery out. And that was something that's been killing the A7 series for a long time is that they just had a t- terrible battery. The new battery now is capable of kind of, you know, dishing it out with the best short of going onto a, a, a 1D or a D5. Question I have about it, and I, and I haven't had too much hands on with the A9, uh, the advantage that say I w- that Canon and Nikon still has for sports photographers, it's not always bright and sunny outside. Sometimes the weather conditions are horrible, and you still have to be out there on the fields getting the job done. Will the A9, as far as you know, is it as durable to harsh weather conditions as the best Nikons and Canons, which are really well sealed against the worst weather? Um, 
They say it's weatherproof, but I is mean, it, it, as it takes time to prove that. I think it's not something you could see in four months, five months. I think so far it's pretty close, but it's 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 hard to say without I mean, using I was told it for by a year Canon, or two. I mean, they left the, left you know uh, um, one of their best cameras. Yeah, this goes back a few years ago with one of their best lenses. A few of them, they left them out in a pouring rain for forty five minutes, and the stuff still worked totally unprotected. Yeah, I don't. I'm just curious to know if an A nine will hold up the same way. That we'll that's see. Sony's claim. That's what they're trying to to promote. Sure, time time will definitely tell. Time will tell. Enough. I've 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 used A nine. It's a nice camera. Um, feel it sits well in the hand. I think the the grip is one of the issues that I used to have an issue with with the it the smaller feels my hand better it, too. It, it, it yeah. feels much mm-hmm. better. This goes back to I I like the bigger cameras. They just feel and they balance better. The other thing to also keep in mind is when you're working with those bigger lenses, having a bigger camera on the back end is actually more helpful because it's easier balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, one more thing that I have that I think is sort of an issue with all the mirrorless is this startup lag. Yes, I still find that an SLR is going to start up and shoot way faster than any of the mirrorless cameras. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel the A9 is almost like a proof of concept to an extent. And we're going to see the A7, we're just going to see the A9 Mark II. Mm. Well, that's, of course, that's just... uh, But in the meantime, (laughs) the A7R3 is probably going to eat up some of the people who are going to jump at the A9, or no? Um, I I don't know how many people are going to jump to the A9 anyhow. It's definitely one of those more flagship cameras you know if you, you you either needed it and went to it or you stuck with an a7r2 or a7s2 which would be your video camera right we got like a m10 as the next one on our list i think that's for alan yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that was wait actually no that i didn't was, put that no in. no no that, that was not i mean yes i like that camera but that was i was actually not the one who added it to this list why no, does it that, say that, why is it penciled in and says alan on it <laughs> <laughs> because they figured i'd like that well that came actually in the truth of the matter is the um i mean i happen to like Leica m cameras i just think they're just beautiful in every every way and i like using them and one of the problems i've had with the Leica digital cameras is that they're a little bit chunkier in the hand mm-hmm. okay they're also noisier than the film cameras, which yes. I never understood. Um, but the 10 comes down to the nice slender form factor again, which just feels more comfortable. There was something really fun to shooting in the rangefinder format. Like I, like Alan mentioned before, like we, we get a little spoiled with cameras these days. Our autofocuses are insanely fast. Like we're, we're splitting hairs between what a 1DX, a, a D5, and an A9 do. Like ridiculous. Sometimes going back to the root of the simplicity of photography where you actually have to make real decisions on mm-hmm. focusing and... Hands-on photography. Much more hands-on, which I'm a huge fan of anyhow, but I feel like you could do it with the with the faster cameras. But sometimes stripping all that away and really getting back into... It's almost like meditating. You know, like going back and kind of just like a Zen space where you like really have to focus absolutely on what you're doing because you don't have electronic viewfinder, so you're not seeing your exposure. You don't have autofocus to rely on. Um, all the dials and switches are all there and you just kind of figure it out. It's well, a you know, lot of fun. Even with the digital Leicas, though, one thing I like, they've eliminated a lot of complexity. If you look at the menus, the back of the camera, everything is stripped down to the basics. And even doing your digital controls and menus, it's all so easy to follow. And I'm looking at this saying, why is every other camera so complex and hard? They've just stripped it away. They, they managed to accomplish electronically what they've been doing for decades uh, uh, manually. And that's yeah. another thing I like about it. So the X the X1D went the same approach, you know the the Hasselblad medium format. Yeah, they also very much stripped away their menu. It's all touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Keep it very simple. Um, yeah, that, that's all I'm going to say on the X1D. But the the M10 is interesting because they they took a video again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, added Wi-Fi. Added Wi-Fi. 
Um, but t- taking that video again is like it's something that Leica seems to enjoy doing because they're they're definitely positioning this as like no, we are a photography company, which is really nice as far as it, it speaks to the essence of what they're trying to to be as a brand and as a company. And great. I just love the way they took away the, the the screen on the back of the camera. The black gaffer's tape. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> was it M- MP or something? MP, yeah. When you go home, you'll find out what you have. I, it's just a teaser. I love it. You know, I just love it. Um, even better if you don't even look through the viewfinder. That's a... Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Ask, ask Alan about that. Alan's a pro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I've seen those selfies. You should be able to <laughs> feel the photograph. I'm sorry. You should be that good. Canon, what are the cameras that mentioned Canon here? Canon G1X Mark III. Yeah. Wow. This wow. is interesting. An APS-C camera mm-hmm. in, uh, in, point a, shoot. Point in a point shoot. of shoot. Yeah. yeah. With yeah, fixed no. lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, zoom. Yeah. Fixed. Well, fi- well, sorry. Fixed. I mean, it's fixed to the camera. Yeah. Um, we were talking about that actually earlier before, Jakob, you, before you came in. We were talking about how do they how do they define what the advanced compact is versus compact. So I guess this would be an advanced compact camera because it's a attached to the lens. Uh, yes. Lens attached to body. APS-C size sensor, which um, Sony until now has been doing really well with like the one-inch sensors and mm-hmm. really pushing boundaries there. Canon, uh, no offense to Canon, and people know like I started on Canon and I love my Canon stuff. Um, the last innovations I really feel that they did was in the 5D Mark II, you know, and, and D3. So, like, since then, like, dual pixel has been really nice for them. But over here, going with this really large sensor size inside of a point-and-shoot camera, I think eliminates for a lot of people the need to buy other cameras. So now I made you a very simple camera. You can stow it in your bag. You have your basic lens, focal length. It's a good lens. It's, you know, it's max, you know, camera to, to sensor. And you can kind of go anywhere with this camera. You know, it's an interesting thing that I, I noticed actually a, a, a year or two ago is that right now, as far as camera size, it used to be that the sensor size determined the size of the camera greatly. It's not the case. There are cameras with little one-inch sensors that are about the same size as some of the full-frame cameras that the, slip into a shirt pocket. Yep. So, And that's one of the reasons I look at some of these that have real tiny sensors and you look at they fill your hands with two hands. I'm saying... Well, if I'm going to be filling my hands with this much mass and weight, I, I might as well get a bigger sensor. It's not going to cost me anything in terms of weight and mass. I'm already handling all this stuff. Right. I, I think they do that because it goes back to the handling. Yeah. Like how well can you handle a camera? If I give you a really tiny camera, like we all know how hard it is to hold a cell phone steady. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. now imagine, you know, I just give you a little slim camera that was exactly like a cell phone. As nice as that sounds, very difficult to hold steady, very difficult to get any kind of um, stabilization in. Just something that we are starting to see come to phones, which is going to be also interesting. Right. It also boils down to the size of optics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Optics take up space. There's uh, whatever advances they've made. Um, optics pretty much take up the same amount of space as they did Physics, 100 baby. years ago. And But this, G, this G1X Mark III, this camera's getting kind of big. I mean, it's... Yeah. No, it know, is. It, it, it's an APS-C size camera. Right. It, it, it looks like an advanced mirrorless camera. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. It looks like a real I mean, I love camera. the G series. I've been using them since oh, yeah. G3. But uh and I have a G1X. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna go to this one, but the G1X I didn't find very compelling, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. The one inch sensor? The one and a half. One and a half, yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird weird sensor size, slow. Mm-hmm. It looked like they just smashed parts together. Um and it it didn't appeal to me at all. And I was expecting another one just the same. So yeah. I was ple- pleasantly surprised to see Quite that jump. Yeah. I think the only real competitor there is a Panasonic LX100. Which is a smaller camera. That's a very nice camera. It's a a beautiful machine. Oh, it's beautiful. Great pictures, stills, and video. 
It handles beautifully. I, I I enjoyed my time with that. I had it for about a week. I like that camera. And, and the bigger difference is, if if I remember correctly, this is one actually looks more like an SLR. It looks more like a professional camera. Whereas yeah. the LX100 doesn't. LX100 right. is a lot more point and shoot style. Right. Uh huh. Right. But I think the LX100 looks a heck of a lot nicer. Well, th- this is very Canon. I think if you, if, you, if no, I'm saying I'm saying <laughs> if, you, if you if you've been seeing like what they've been doing with the M5, the M10, like absolutely. Um, yeah. This th- this is yeah. a very Canon looking that yeah. arena. Yeah. And the. 24 to 72 millimeters is the... Uh, yeah, it's a great... It's, it's a classic focal length. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, it's an 18 to 55. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, with the conversion. Uh, Panasonic Lumix GX... GH5. GH5. Yeah. GH5. You know, I can't believe that we forgot about this. This was a great camera release for this year. Yeah. The GH5? Well, yeah. I, I put it in. Yeah. Has anyone seen the G9? It just came up. Just yeah. Just, I saw just pictures of it. Having, yeah. Yeah, we Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be like the Panasonic's A9. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. their little flagship now. That they've put they've, a lot into that. Yeah, so they have their video and their photo one. Um, pretty cool, mm-hmm. but okay. it's not coming out till next year. So, so yeah, we'll talk about it in a well. Months. It gives you an opportunity <laughs> to stick all your Sony junk on eBay. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Alan, Alan, Alan coming out Oh, strong. no, 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 oh, no. come on. I, I'm a Sony owner and user for years. I'm saying that's why, why should I get rid of my television? Well, it's been a while since the GH5 was announced or, or, or even, you know, brought out. Uh, and what does it offer that the GH4, which was obviously a huge camera, uh, what does the GH5 offer yeah. versus GH4? Yeah. Uh, one thing, which is something a lot of people have been asking for a long time, which is uh, 422 internally, mm-hmm. um, which has been so. As much as Panasonic would like to tout the GH4 as a um, photo camera, I think it's a video camera. I, I think everyone who who uses it, right. and you have to be a skateboarder, board. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, or creating your short film for Vimeo. Right. Right. A lot of <laughs> a lot of really great shooters and a lot of great videos on there. But um, those GH4 shooters were pretty excited about the GH5, and everything yeah. I've heard is is yeah, you know, great okay. great body. Firstly, um, you know to just keep taking that body and making it stronger and better. We were talking about the weather sealing before. Yeah, this one apparently they upped the game on the weatherproofing on this camera. Yeah, and then and then just the the four two two internal like they've just they've just made more robust codecs. The GH4, if you guys remember, they made a YAG for it, which was mm-hmm. this crazy adapter piece mm-hmm. that costed more than the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to get to that. That YAG did not. Aside yeah. from the name. Yeah. I mean, the name <laughs> yeah. is compelling. The Y-A-G-H. Um, which, which was their way of doing external 4K and like all this right. stuff, um, making it professional connections. I think what they realize is that's not really their market. Yeah. And um, going back to the indie shooter, where the indie shooter doesn't necessarily have the money to you know spend on getting, let's say, an Atomos recorder to go with it or any kind of other things, you know, where they want to kind of retain this very stripped-down man-on-the-street type of camera and yet retain all the color and the autofocus capabilities and stuff like that that Panasonic's been known for, GH5 kind of just said, all right, let's just put it all in. Yeah. And right. They the, also, they made a mic input similar to what Sony has that uh, goes on the shoe yep. as opposed to that big mm-hmm. YAG. Mm-hmm. The YAG for the... Yeah. They don't even <laughs> sell the YAG anymore. Well, no. the GH4 was, I mean, that was it's an old camera. I mean, given you know how fast we move through things. So, and it also was you know, a revolutionary to some degree. So that's why, you know, these items that you're talking about, these add-ons were kind of necessary at the time. Yeah, it's it's pretty much, they took they took all the, I, I don't know what the, you know, which complaints they took seriously, but they took a lot of the complaints that were on the GH4, which weren't like complaints, was more like people saying, give us even more. Yeah. And they said, okay, bam. Yeah. Here you go. I'd like to see how that's doing uh, when we get to Just the Just a the fast sales. reflection on, 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 you know, we talk about how fast things change here. 
it's one of the things that digital brings to the table is that when we were back in the film days, the last few cameras, two or three cameras, and especially the last cameras from Nikon, the F6 and Canon, whatever their last film camera was, there wasn't that much more to do with it technologically. The only changes were really with film. But now with digital, first of all, the sensors change every year and a half, two years. They double what the earlier sensors would do. And then there's new added technologies, both still and video, and all kinds of voodoo that goes on that keep changing these. The acceleration is just phenomenal in the way technology advances digitally. I mean, the Nikon F3 was was available for 26 years with minor tweaks, and a lot of cameras were. You don't see that anymore. That's just not the case. Yeah, well, the the, the start of electronics has pretty much given us, um, we are, we are, now dealing cameras are an electronic item. So electronic items update every six months to a year. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter what the price is, even though they're more expensive than you were buying your film cameras for. This is what the price is now. This is what, you know, this is what the market is obviously able to sustain. At the same time, what's the most interesting about it is sensors have become your film stock. That's it. Yeah. So you're choosing a camera at that level, like when we see with professional DPs in the in the in the film industry, that they'll choose a camera for what its sensor can deliver. Mm-hmm. With photography, being that a lot of it is solo owner-operator thing, you find investments in systems. And so it's slightly different, whereas I'm, thank God, I'm in a place now, you know, I work here and I'm able to take out whichever camera I would like. Um, I can be very agnostic about what I use. Users, though, on the other hand, who invest in Canon or Nikon or Sony or Panasonic or Olympus or Pentax, whichever, or even Sigma Fuji. or in Fuji, right? Whichever you system said Pentax, you So You said Pentax before Fuji. That's interesting. I did. I was <laughs> <laughs> just running through my, my list. And and what's fascinating about it is you will K-1000. hear almost everyone, almost everyone will talk about color. KP. Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone will talk, from Leica to, to Hasselblad to Fuji to, to Canon, everyone will talk about why they like their color better. Even though we can all make them look the same in post. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, no. <clears throat> By the way, you know, we, we talk about also cameras and, and the way the technology goes. One thing that didn't come up here, and I'm not sure when it came out, but the Pentax K1, I, I did a, re- a review on it a few months ago. And even though it would not be my first choice for a number of reasons, I was blown away by what that camera can do. And yes. it costs about $1,200 yes. less than any other full-frame camera. And it's big and bulky, and it's got menus up the wazoo. But and what I was able sealed. to- for life. Yeah. What I was able to do with this camera, and again, I shot everything at night handheld. It was sick. Um, I was extremely impressed by that. Yeah. And I wish there was a way they can rebrand themselves to put themselves forward of it. That's for, a whole yeah, That's another show. We're going to do the Pentax. That's my that's job. Your assignment over <laughs> next year. <laughs> and then we're going to call them, call them Rico now. That's going to work. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. There's a story. Yeah, there. but they, they've always had the weather ceiling, and they've always had yep. basically the similar sensors to Nikon. Have been able to pull more out of them. Mm. Always. Yeah. But they have better color science. The better color science, better low light. All the stuff has always been a step beyond what Nikon's been able to do with the same basic architecture. And any lens you put on it, even if it's an old man, has image stabilization. They put a lot of great stuff into yep. this. I was just reading Outsider magazine and they recommend like the number one camera for outdoor type photography going in the snow is the Pentax for again the weather ceiling. I think their issue is that they're just a little too small of a company at this time. And so they don't have the the marketing power, the market share to really make a dent. Whereas, you know, everyone will say, but wait, how did Sony come in? And, well, Sony was the dark horse and they chose a totally different market to go into. They created mirrorless, you know, and, and they obviously aren't the first ones to do it, but they created it as an actual category. 
um, Pentax is trying to fight for between Canon and Nikon. You're not, you're not going to get. And anywhere. it also took so long to get the the full frame out. You know, exactly. I think so many people were yeah jump ship at that point. That. Yeah. Also, yeah. So- Sony's a technology company, and that's how they've approached it, which is why they're iterating every single year. Canon and Nikon are not doing that. Yeah. It's just a different approach. Good point. Well, uh, Fujifilm XT20 is next on the list. Yeah, they updated the sensor score. Okay. Yep. The XT2, the X Pro 2, I think, was last year already. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just nice. Yeah. Yeah, they look pretty. And that's just an update of the X-T10, right? Yeah, but, they, but the they've, they've gone... small version of the... Yeah, it's a stripped-down yeah, version of yeah. the of, of those. But they what they have gone, they've gone to the 24-megapixel sensor, right. which is which is nice because that's been something I think that the Fuji fans have been have been feeling for a while where they they kind of felt that, you know, we only had a 60-megapixel sensor even though they had it certain nicer colors, certain nicer um, high ISO. But... Um, it was always still you were still dealing with a 60 megapixel sensor on an APS-C size camera. So, you know, people, I, I want to say that they, they wanted the extra resolution. Now they have it. Right. We uh, were wondering if we can make the GFX a 2017 camera or can we not like push it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, phew. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that's a really compelling Actually, two people mentioned the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aside from it, the yeah. fact that they, yeah. they stuck the yeah. battery compartment on after they made the camera. So it sticks <laughs> out like a. It is, it is one of the more like strangely designed. It's a Lego camera. <laughs> Yeah, it's yes. It definitely feels modular. It definitely feels like they they had a bunch of components and they put them together. At the at the same time, it handles nicely. It's it's a Fuji through and through. So if you if you've been shooting on any Fuji camera, and you pick up the GFX, you'll know where all the controls are. You'll know the menus. It, well, it's, you don't have to know. They're just out there. Yeah, but but any of the menus or anything they need to do, it's it's it's, yeah, it, yeah. it's 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 a direct. There, there's no jump that you have to do to figure out what the camera's doing. The one of the things I find most compelling with that camera is the tilting EVF, which is an EVF that can essentially go straight up to ninety degrees. Oh, so it like tilts eye level or mm. waist level? Eye level, but like, but you could do wa- waist level anyhow just by flipping out the screen. True, which is so they they make it waist level for in sunlight and stuff. But it's I've been shooting like that with it, and it's really fun. Um, it's a different shooting, for, and, and it's a lot very stable because you're holding the camera much closer to yourself. There's there, there's a lot to be said about that. But afterwards, we can talk to my physical therapist about my neck. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just uh, as far as image quality with the Fuji cameras, Todd was showing me some photographs he did this week. He was photographing jewelry using his Fuji camera and uh, a Fuji macro lens. Uh, and he shot side-by-side with a full-frame DSLR and a very, very, very fine macro lens. And the Fuji pictures were better. Wow. Notably sharper. The definition was amazing. And we're going back. He says, Al, you got to look at this. And we don't know if there was maybe the focus shifted a little bit with the DSLR, but I mean, you just look and there was no question about it. I'm going I'm to email him about that. Okay. Well, this <laughs> really? is the camera that I may be getting, which is the X100F. And that's next on our list. Oh, oh nice. Any comments? Nice. Can I just say one thing about yeah. Fuji? They'll come yeah. out with a new camera with all a bunch of new features. A lot of those features will be put back into their older cameras via firmware. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, so should I not get the F and go to get the S or the the T, the 100S, 100T? Buy it used. The F, I think the F is 24. Yeah, the F is the new the new sensor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The F is a 24 megapixels. Uh, yeah. You can't mm-hmm. go with less megapixels. It's just. Yeah. Those pictures just don't work. Yeah, <laughs> no one looks at them. Yeah, well, that 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 series in general had made made a lot of headway. There there were a lot of photographers earlier on uh, who were really touting th- this entire series because yeah. it's it's that it's that classic camera it's again. Simple. Going back yeah. to the vintage style and mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking about, Leica, you know, kind of like stripping away and going back. 
It's awesome. What, are, are you going to use it as like your everyday camera? Because it's I know a street you photographer's came, camera. That's yeah, what it's for, right? You, I mean, you, you came yeah. to my wedding and you had a big DSLR and you were shooting. Was that on film? No, that was a D600. Okay. D600 with 35 millimeter lens. Yeah. That's 35 is what I like. Or, you know, I can go a little lower just to shoot around. So, so yeah. this, So this will be your new street camera? Pretty much. Yeah. Wow, That's the cool. idea. Yeah. 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 Get rid of the Canon G1X. Yeah. That, I, that I never <laughs> use anyway. Oh, uh, there we go. That G1X never worked. All right, so we're getting down to the end of the list, and we have. To, well, I'm going to jump to number 10 first, and this is a, a shout-out to Bjorn. Uh, it's the Cambo WRS <laughs> 5005 technical camera, which is his... Uh, addition to our list anyone want anything to say about that so don't don't know enough our site didn't have enough specs and if i'm wondering it's so if it's hard the to get same, information from them yeah. right but i think i think it's the same camera that i just saw at the show and um i don't know what's new about it mm -hmm. i do know that there's a lot of additions that they're doing for digital back so you can use yeah. something like a gfx on yeah. it you can use something like a leica you can use something it's a like modular system. A, D, yeah. a, a d850 or d810 um what's really awesome about this for shooters who don't know is that you have full swing and tilts mm -hmm. and and bellows mm -hmm. so for me when I was in photo school, oh, when I was in photo school, right? Um, I love shooting four by five because four by five gives you so much control over how your image is going to look. Now you're not going to shoot any action with it, and you're not going to shoot. Stuff but you like can that. shoot no, still life at 20 yeah. frames per second, technically. These days. <laughs> yeah. You put the right camera behind this thing. Yeah, that's exactly. important because still life melting yeah. fast, melting ice cream, melting yeah. ice cream. Yeah. All right. Uh, so fast eaten ice cream is probably what. <laughs> Were they the, was Canva the ones with the nice ball head? Yes, yes, they yeah. have. They, they actually have a like aside from head. that, yeah. they have they have a whole, um, firstly, uh, video support system like mm -hmm. um, cranes and slides and stuff like that, um, tripods, and they had a really nice ball head. Gear it was ball a head. They make great stuff. Uh, I mean, the I, gear head. When I, I didn't look at the camera. I just looked at the geared head. It was uh -huh. beautiful. Yeah. Those are the kind yeah. of cameras you can own and never even take pictures. You just adjust them and set them up. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you never so have nice. to shoot anything. It's just satisfying using all the controls. Exactly. That's, That's like that old typewriter I have on the top of the book. <laughs> <laughs> so last on the list is the iPhone. This is called the iPhone because since this year we've brought out how many iPhones? Three. Three new iPhones? Eight, eight plus and X. Right. Or 10 actually. And 10. also Google Pixel 2, which I have. Two of them. Google Pixel 2. Right. Game changers. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. So, Alan, let's get some information from your, uh, okay. your fact-checking on the B&H site. What are the bestsellers? What I did was, um, if you go to our website and you click on a category, be it DSLRs, mirrorless lenses, or whatever the case may and you bring up a selection of SKUs, you can actually select uh, you want price from lowest to highest, da-da-da. You could also go uh, bestseller and top-rated. And what I did was I went through a bunch of categories, and I chose the – I selected the bestsellers and the top-rated for a bunch of categories. It was kind of interesting. Just but, real quick, what, what is a top-rated? Do you know what the criteria is? Top-rated means uh, – um, Reviews? Uh, yeah, people reviewed it on our website. So mm -hmm. it's, it's based on reviews on our website – from our customers who theoretically use the equipment they're reviewing mm, here. That's good reviews. Um, so it's fairly accurate. And again, this changes every day. This is a very, very, very organic, fluid system. But this is it based on yesterday morning. This is what came up. For DSLRs, uh, for the best sellers, full frame in this order, Nikon D850, 
the Canon EOS 5D Mark III, followed by Nikon D750. Now, that's bestsellers. Top rated, best reviewed, okay? Canon EOS 5D Mark III, 5D Mark IV, and the Nikon D810. Not always the same cameras. It's very interesting. These well, are ratings and buying. Well, you know, keep another thing in mind. People might want to buy them, but they may not be available. So I say, I right. love this. So I want it. But it hasn't been available for five yeah, weeks. Right. I don't know if there's any D850 reviews to really. Right. Yeah, I know. It's like, where do you go? But it's just an interesting thing how people's, you know, are going. Yeah. For APS-C DSLRs, smaller compact cameras, the best sellers are the uh, Canon EOS, the Rebel SL2. I found that so surprising. That, that surprising. Isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Followed by the D500 from Nikon. Not surprising. Followed by the uh, a Canon's EOS 77D. Also slightly surprising. By the way, I had to modify this a little bit because sometimes the second place would be the same camera with the kit lens. So uh, what I do is I had to, I redid everything with just body only. And even then there were discrepancies. Like number one might be the black body. And number two is the silver body. Right. I just combined them. Okay. And I wait, just wait, jumped so, from so there. So to clarify, you, you were working. <laughs> yeah, I actually, wow. I, and not only that, I, I, I should I, learn. Yeah, I had to stop chewing my sandwich a few times while taking notes. So yeah, it was that, uh, that must have been no, stressful. I, uh, I hope you were at least like taking a drink of coffee while you're doing. I it. I was yeah. hooked up to an IV. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> paramedics on standby. I'm, I'm not, not, not going to talk about the rest of the tubes that were hooked up. Yeah, what type of coffee machine do you use? I use drip. <laughs> not that drip. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Uh, micro Four Thirds. Cameras, best what were the highest rated for the, the high, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, pay, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Top rated for APS-C DSLRs. Ready for this? Pentax K3 Model 2. There you go. There you go. But how many people buying it? That's uh, that's that's, that's, that's the that's the Pentax. But so Pentax has a religious following, though. Yeah. So that yes, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah. they make great cameras. They're going to get high reviews. I think yeah. we they, saw it similar with Leica. They get great reviews, but they're not going to be bestsellers because nobody can afford them. Yeah. Everybody just wants them. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That, you but if you do listen to our podcast, you're guaranteed to. By the way, if you really <laughs> like, if you like, can <laughs> if you like, like a cameras like well. I do, and you can't afford them, do it. I do. Wait ten years; they come down in price. Some of them. Anyway. Well, the value retains. <laughs> That's one thing too. If no, you, actually, the No, if you get the right one, the value goes up, and I, yeah. I, I, I wait to find the even low even ones. their digital ones. They, yes. they, they don't decrease that much. No, no, no. They're good about that. Anyway, uh, so we have the number one is the Pentax K3 Model Two, followed by uh, Canon's Rebel T6s. Followed by Canon's EOS 77D, same as the best sellers. It, What's with that surprising? Seven. So what, what I'm wondering is that there's only like a few people who bought it and not enough negative reviews because people don't expect no, a lot out of it. No, but it's a bestseller. Right, I, but that's, well, I'm just I, I'm surprised. I, I thought it's it was affordable. like a no man's land camera, but mm -hmm. I guess. Hey, mirrorless cameras, full frame. Mm. Best sellers, <laughs> Sony's A7R3. Oh yeah, not surprised. Followed by <laughs> A7S Two, not surprised. Mm -hmm. Followed by A7R2. Not surprised. Not and surprised. as you see, Sony owns that market. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, of frame. course they own that market. There's yeah. nothing else. Now, yeah. here's Rich. Here, get this, okay? <laughs> Top like rated it. Sony A9, mm -hmm. followed by the Leica M Type 240. Mm. Wow. Followed by the Leica SL. How did that happen? I Beats saw the that. heck out of me, Teach. I, no. I, I'm curious. Are, are these the verified cameras. buyers only? Well, Leica, Leica's going to get great ratings. Yeah. From people Anyone who, who buys a Leica. Even from people who can't afford them because the rumor is they're great cameras. Exactly. So that, that, that's what I don't I'm curious how much I don't know. Verified. But if I did, I'd love it. Yeah, how yeah, much yeah. is verified buyers? Well, that, here, here's the point. If I spend $10,000 on a camera, I guarantee you I'm not going to say it's a dud. Right. No matter what. I got to cover my back. 
And not only that, <laughs> oh, it's a great camera, the best camera ever. Not only that, when your wife finds out you spent ten grand, you're gonna be living in the box that the camera came. In. I, I had one of those customers, by the way. He wanted to buy one of those cameras. Wife's like, "What's this about?" He's like, "Well, it's you know, it's like one of your bags." <laughs> that that worked. Okay, moving along here. Mirrorless APS-C cameras, bestsellers. Fuji XT2, followed by Fuji X Pro 2, followed by Fuji XT20. Woo! Wow. Woo, we got a little wow. family thing going on. Fuji owning it right there. Fuji is, yeah. Top rated. Again, Fuji XT2, just like the mm-hmm. bestseller, followed by Sony's A6000, mm-hmm. followed by Sony's A6300. That's so interesting. So Sony got yeah. two of the top rated cameras, but not bestsellers, but yeah. those are also older cameras. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Advanced um, compact. One, These one are, thing, uh, Alan, I think yeah. you missed Micro Four Thirds. No, no, that was on purpose. <laughs> no. <Uh-oh. laughs> no. Oh, oh, do I skip the? Oh, we do have them here. Okay. Roll back. No, it's it's group group three. Thank good catch. One, there. one thing about Sony, you realize since they they come out with new ones every year, there's always going to be old models. Like the old <laughs> model is six months old. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The expiration date didn't even <laughs> yeah, hit yet. Yeah, you're not going to have... They're yeah. still fresh in the box. Uh, if they were milk, you could still drink them. Uh, <laughs> micro Four Thirds cameras. Okay. Now, interestingly, it's between Panasonic and Olympus. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, where's the Yi? Uh, <laughs> that's right, the Yi didn't show up at totally all. Totally shocked. <laughs> they actually, the, the Yi just updated their firmware. Now yes. the camera actually starts up. Yeah, um, I, I was impressed. <laughs> anyway. And and they don't, you don't even need to use gaffer's tape on the screen. Nope. Yeah, because you, you never know Four what Thirds. you're going to get. Okay, okay. Panasonic, the DMC GH5, mm-hmm. followed by the Olympus, the OMD EM1 Mark II. Most digits in a name, but a really nice That's, camera. It's the, by the way, that is the biggest name in, in Micro Four Thirds cameras. I counted the letters. It's, it's the, the biggest name. It's the most in, in, in full-frame <laughs> cameras also. More dashes. <laughs> Who invented the marks? Followed by the Olympus Pen F. Actually, Lincoln Continental, but that's another story. <laughs> okay, top-rated Micro Four Thirds. Panasonic, the DMC GH4, okay, followed by the Olympus, same thing, the uh, o, uh, OL uh, LMNLP uh, Mark II <laughs> from Olympus, followed by the um, Olympus, uh, the Pen EPL8. There are a lot of a lot of fans of the EPL8. Yeah, that's a great camera, yeah. and that's, it's been again, it's it's been it's got I just legs. Saw, I just saw the Pen F, the original. Oh yeah, those are sweet. That's what it's oh, based on. Beautiful. Yes, they are. Lovely little cameras and very good cameras, too. The lenses are beautiful on them. Advanced compact cameras. These are uh, anything that you can't take the lens off. Bestseller, the Sony RX10 Mark IV. Wow. Mm-hmm. Followed by the Fuji X100F. There you go. Mm-hmm. There, Followed there you by go. Sony's RX100 Model Four, which is interesting. That camera's dropped down a little bit, and that's an amazing camera. Top rated. Totally different. Ready for it? Leica Q is number one. Followed by number two. Here's the here we go. Drum roll. Sigma DP2 Quattro. All right, Sigma. Okay, super zooms, best sellers. Here we go. Sony RX10 Mark IV. Totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Followed by Nikon's Coolpix P900. Makes oh, sense. Followed by Panasonic's FZ300. Also makes sense. Mm-hmm. Top rated. The uh the Sony's HX400. Mm-hmm. The PowerShot GX3. A G3X from Canon, 
followed by Canon's SX530. How are those super zooms? Well, no, the G3X is like a FC10. Well, these, I, uh, they're, yeah. they're called, they're, they're long FC, focal lengths. FC2500, yeah, those are super zooms. Yeah, they go like from the 28 to 720. Huh? Oh, because it goes to 720. Yeah, no, that, that's why they're in this. No, the yeah. SX530 is like a 30, 40 times zoom. Right, 40 times. Well, yeah. that's pretty super. Yeah. That's super enough. So, Try carrying that from a full-frame DSLR. Okay, last group of cameras, the point-and-shoes, the best sellers, is the Canon ELF 180, followed by Panasonic's Lumix DC-ZS70, followed by Canon's PowerShot SX620. Top-rated, Canon's SX610HS, followed by the Coolpix A10, hmm. followed by Sony's DSC-W800. That's a nice little camera, actually. I'm going to just blow through with the lenses real quickly. Uh, needless to say, for DSLRs, 24 to 72.8 eat up everything, followed by 70 to 200 2.8. Interesting thing, bestseller for DSLR prime lenses out of all the fixed primes for DSLRs, number one seller, a Canon EF 50 millimeter F1.8. Well, that's that's your that's, that's a thrifty fifty. That's it, right. and that's the yep. number one seller. And number two is the Canon one hundred two eight macro L, and the third is the Canon fifty one four USM. This by far speaks to the Canon's share of the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and mirrorless also. We can the zooms the twenty four seventies are catching up now that they're available. Uh, so on and so on. And one last thing, just, uh, I want to throw in it. lens adapters. I wanted to see what was popular with lens adapters because there's so many combinations. Number one seller we have is the Metabones Canon EFEFS to Sony E-mount, the smart adapter, fifth generation, followed by the Metabones T-Speed Booster XL 0.64X Canon EF to select micro four-thirds, followed by the Metabones T-Speed uh, Booster Ultra 0.71 Canon EF to micro four-thirds. Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting little trend right there. Yeah, Metabones, Metabones definitely runs that yeah. part. Well, Metabones, the but Sigma, the Sigma adapter is really nice. Yes. The um the MC eleven. But Metabones, like again, they made that category. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to see that the Metabones bestsellers are for the speed boosters, are to micro four thirds and not to Sony. Yeah, that That's is interesting. Well, people yeah. adapting to Sony are going full frame. It's what it seems. Right. To so me. yeah, well, the Sony is a seven S two is their video camera. Which you're not going to use a speed booster on. Yeah. So, but also you're gaining, you know, because you lose half your focal length with half your depth, half of your angle of view with micro four thirds. You're gaining it again. That's, yeah. I, I would definitely go that route. Okay, that wraps up episode one of our two-part, our two-episode show on uh, newest cameras and upcoming trends. So today we talked about cameras of the year. Next week's episode, we're going to talk about photo trends for 2018. Join us. And for now, thank you to Yako, thank you to Levy, thank you to Jason, and thank you to John, and thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in as always. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs>